Well, happy Independence Day tomorrow. You know, one of the, my favorite um, quotes from the United States, the, the founding documents, is uh, from the Declaration of Independence. It says, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So on July 4th, we celebrate that ideal, that ideal that has brought so much abundance and freedom in this country. Of course, with the ideal, there is also the real, that some have been excluded from those rights and others use their rights to exploit other people and to benefit only themselves. But we should still celebrate that ideal because that ideal has not only changed the United States, but it's changed the world. As these concepts have gone throughout the world and changed it, and brought freedoms in prosperity that really would be unthinkable for most of human history. So most of human history, if they could uh, look to this day to, to the United States and see the prosperity and freedoms that we have, they would blow their mind. And so we should be thankful for that. Uh, we should rejoice and celebrate that. Maybe set up some fireworks or something. I don't know. Uh, what, all those things that we do. Well, you know, as Christians though we have dual citizenship. So we are citizens of an earthly kingdom. So for many of us, that's we're citizens of the United States. And so we celebrate this weekend. But we're also citizens of God's kingdom. And that is our highest allegiance. Uh, we have that citizenship we share with people from all over the world, uh, which is amazing. And as citizens of God's kingdom, God has given us freedom. He's also given us power in the spirit. And it's not just to bless us, but also to advance his plan, to advance his kingdom. And in this series in the Holy Spirit, we've learned that, that yes, through faith in Christ, we are citizens of God's kingdom but that we also receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the personal presence of God to empower us and transform us. So God pours out his presence and his power upon us so that we would take part in his plan, that we would take part in his kingdom and advancing that kingdom throughout the whole world. That salvation, that freedom in Christ is meant to go throughout the world and as citizens of that kingdom, he empowers us to do just that. So we've been through a lot during this series. We've gone to many different places. Uh, the already not yet concept, the, that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a power. The be filled in the Holy Spirit. Last week, we talked about worship and prayer in the Spirit. And if you missed any of these, you can uh, go to our podcast or listen to them online. But today, we're focusing on how the Spirit empowers us to advance God's plan. And that's the question. The question I want us to ask us today is, are we advancing God's plan by the Spirit's power? Because we can often try to advance our own plan, our own agenda. Or we can sometimes say, yeah, I want to advance God's plan, but then we do it in our own power. No, we want both of those things. We want to advance God's plan in God's power, in the Spirit's power. And are we doing that? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves today. And that question is important because as we're going through this series on the Holy Spirit, we often talk about 
the, you know, when you talk about the Spirit's power, what do we often first think of? We think about uh, miracles, we think about prophets or, or speaking in tongues, and we talked about that last week. But these things, they're not goals in themselves. The, the Holy Spirit is, is not about putting on a show. The Holy Spirit's about advancing God's kingdom. And in the book of Acts, which describes the Holy Spirit being poured out on Pentecost, and we looked at that passage in previous weeks, the Holy Spirit's power is always directed towards advancing God's message throughout the world, advancing God's plan throughout the world. And right before Pentecost, when Jesus um, tells his disciples that they will be advancing uh, God's kingdom throughout the world, he says, but I want you to wait for the Spirit's power to come upon you. Yes, I want you to advance my plan and my message, but you need the Spirit's power. So in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then the rest of the book of Acts describes the Spirit pushing the early church to witness to new people and to new places. And in fact, the first half of the book of Acts highlights Peter and the apostles around Jerusalem. They're filled with the Spirit, and they're sharing the message of Jesus with all different kinds of people. And then the second half of the book of Acts kind of focuses on the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul is also a part of this mission, and he brings the gospel of Jesus in the, in the Spirit's power all the way to Rome. So let's look, though. Let's look at an example of this at work. And we're going to look at an example from shortly after Pentecost. Uh, Peter and John, what happens is they heal a paralyzed man. He was at the Jerusalem temple begging and Peter heals this man, and then he, Peter tells the astonished crowds that the power of Jesus has made this person well so that they should all believe in Jesus. Well, the religious leaders, they don't really like that. They think the temple is their domain, and so they pull Peter and John before them to, um, to reprimand them and tell them to stop. So we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 19. Uh, but Peter and John answered them, answered the religious leaders, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when the religious leaders had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when Peter and John were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. All right, so just pause there. So in the face of resistance and threats to Peter and John that says, hey, you need to stop spreading this message. You need to stop advancing God's plan. What did they do? They prayed. Right? They start to pray. And this, the content of their prayer, that's next. And so what did they pray? They prayed this. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and now they quote Psalm 2, 
Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I want to stop there. So what are they praying? First, they pray, they acknowledge that God reigns, that his plan is advancing despite people fighting against it. So even, even though the people were fighting against Jesus, God's anointed one, even though they killed Jesus, right? He rose from the dead. They, God's plan is going to advance. And so they're recognizing that first. And then they prayed for boldness, boldness to continue to spread the message of Jesus, this life-changing message that, God, that he died for our sins, he rose from the dead to bring eternal life to all those who believed. And as they're doing that, they recognize that God's presence would go with them. And when God's presence goes with them, what happens? Supernatural things, miracles. And so that's what they're praying for boldness. And then God answers their prayer immediately because verse 31 says this. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. So God immediately answers their prayers by filling them with the Holy Spirit, which then empowers them to continue to advance God's plan despite the difficulty, despite the threats and the resistance. They are emboldened and empowered to go and continue to spread this message. I just want to note, I mentioned this last week or the week before. Notice that, so Peter and many who were already there It says they were already filled at Pentecost with the Spirit, remember? But here it says that they're filled again with the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I say when we talk about, you know, some people talk about, you know, a second baptism. Well, don't talk about a second baptism unless you're going to talk about a third baptism, a fourth baptism, a fifth baptism, because the Holy Spirit continually fills us. So that's why I prefer the terminology when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's when we receive the Holy Spirit at conversion. And then we're continually seeking to be filled with the Spirit. Because Peter here, he's filled again after he was already filled on Pentecost. Um, But again, I already preached about that, so I'll move on. Um, And if you missed that one, listen to it on, uh, on our social media platforms. And the, but the fillings here, the fillings of the Holy Spirit, they're not for showing how spiritual we are or to advance our own agenda. The filling of the Spirit is to advance God's plan, God's agenda. And, and Peter and all of them, they're, they're praying for empowerment to continue to advance God's plan. And God answered their prayer by immediately filling them with the Holy Spirit to do just that, to, to continue to advance God's plan. And it's God's plan, not ours. You know, some, of, some people who, who talk the most about the Spirit, talk the most about His miraculous power, talk as though the Spirit's purpose is to show other people how spiritual we are. 
or, or to, to give us a, a power to show how powerful we are or to, to increase our ministry more than, no, no, the, the Spirit is given us power so that we can show God's power in us. That in fact, in our weakness, that is when we show the Spirit's power. And when we're following God's plan and his, his, uh, through His power, we're advancing His agenda, not our own. And God's people are empowered to expand God's kingdom. And when we notice the heart of God, when we notice what he's about, we have to say that every true movement of the Spirit will include new people coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ, the lost being found. So it's not about a show. It's not even about miraculous works. The miracles are there to to, um, proclaim and push forward the message, the saving message of Jesus, to glorify God and not us. And so even the miracles serve the saving message. So uh, Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So Peter and John, they go and they, they're filled with the Spirit and they bring the message of Jesus throughout Jerusalem and, and further. Well, then the Apostle Paul, he brings this message all the way to the city of Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2-5, through 5, he says this. Apostle Paul says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul, he preached a simple message of Jesus, crucified, died for our sins, rose from the dead so we would have newness of life, but he did it in the Spirit's power. And the demonstration of the Spirit was to put forward the message that, yes, God is truly among us. That Paul was saying these things, not so people would look at Paul and say, oh, Paul, you're so powerful, or Paul, you're such a good speaker. In fact, he says, no, in my weakness... That's when I showed the Spirit's power because you couldn't say, oh, I'm convinced by Paul's persuasive way. No, they were convinced because they saw the Spirit at work in his words and in his ministry. And yes, that included miracles. But these miracles were to advance God's saving message of Jesus to the world. And this, this these miracles and this message made it clear that Paul was depending on the Spirit. Paul wasn't trying to get people to follow him. He's just a person. This is about what God has done and what God has doing is and what God is doing. It's his saving power, his saving plan for humanity. And the Spirit, he works to advance that plan. That plan. Spirit will not work to advance our plan or our agenda or our um, ideas to show that we're powerful. No, the Spirit wants to show God is powerful and to advance God's saving plan. And that's so important because in contrast to Paul, Peter, and the apostles, we often approach evangelism as if it depends on us. Now, evangelism, that's just a fancy word for sharing the message of Jesus so that people would believe in Jesus, right? That's what evangelism is. And we often, well, first of all, we don't like doing it 
But we know we should, so we, we try sometimes. And one of the reasons, though, we do that, we, we don't like to do it, is because what do we often say? Oh, I don't know if the right words, or I don't know what to say. Well, it doesn't depend on our power. It's not supposed to be in our persuasive words. Rather, it's supposed to be depending on the Spirit to the, for the Spirit to do the work. We're just messengers. And here's the thing. If we... The Spirit will empower our words. He will inspire our words. And then he will do a work in the person's heart to open their heart to receive that message. And don't think that's not a miracle. Because so many folks, you know, if you're a Christian, and I've heard many Christians say, well, I've never seen a miracle. And we're going to talk about miracles later. And we often think about this paralyzed guy who all of a sudden he starts walking. Like, yeah, I've never seen a miracle. But if you're a Christian, then you have experienced a miracle. Because you were spiritually dead. I was spiritually dead. And Jesus, if we believed in him, he brought us to life. That is a miracle. That doesn't happen because you happen to be more spiritual. You happen to be smarter than the other people, and that's why you believed. No, you were spiritually dead. I was spiritually dead. And the Spirit breathed life into our souls, and we believed God put that in our hearts so that we trusted in him. That is a miracle. And it's a miracle that's even more mm, lasting than that paralyzed guy who started walking. Because that's, that was an amazing miracle, work of the Spirit, and we should seek that. That's great. But you know that guy? He still died. He, he got sick of something else, and he died. Whereas when we become Christians, when we go from death, spiritual death, to eternal life, that lasts forever. That is a miracle that lasts forever. Yeah, in um, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, the New Testament describes people uh, as spiritually dead apart from God. So Ephesians 2, 4 through 9 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. So see the scriptures describes us as spiritually dead until God gets a hold of us and does the miracle of regeneration. Because think about it, dead people don't revive themselves. When you're dead, you don't just need a little, a little help, right? A Band-Aid doesn't help. A little cortisone cream, that don't help. You need a miracle when you're dead. You need, to be risen, you need to be raised from the dead. And that miracle is God's grace working in someone's heart. That's what it says here in Ephesians. And so if you're a Christian, don't say, oh, I've never, I've never seen or experienced a miracle. You have if you're a Christian. And, and if you're not, if you're still, if you're right now you're considering this whole Jesus thing, then understand that his death and resurrection 
Yes, that is a miracle, but it was also a miracle meant for you to trust in, to grab, so that he would then spiritually raise you from the dead now, but then bring you into an eternal life forever. And so if you have not experienced that miracle, grab on to that miracle. Place your faith in Jesus, and God will do a work in you. And, and maybe sometimes God has done this, and we've seen it in the scriptures, but he does it today where because the Spirit is present, because God is present, he breaks in and he does heal people. He does take people who are paralyzed and causes them to walk. And we, yes, we should seek that. But let's not our focus on the rah-rah kind of showy things keep us from understanding that deep miracle of us spiritually dead coming to life. And let's seek that, because that is a part of God's plan. And if you realize that miracle of rebirth and the utter dependence that we have on the Spirit, then we'll seek to advance God's plan, and we'll know we can't do it in our own power. We'll seek the Spirit's power because we know, we, I can't bring the dead to life. Spiritually dead people, no matter what my words are, it's not going to do what needs to happen. That's, again, because folks don't just need a little bit of help. And if we grasp this truth, if we truly grasp it, then we'll be in constant prayer. We'll be in constant prayer because we recognize that if I'm going to advance God's plan, and it is his plan for his salvation and his eternal life to go throughout the world and reach new people, well, I can't do that. Well, we can't, but we can with God's power. We can in the Spirit. So we should be praying, God, I want to advance your plan, and I can't do it on my own. So that's one issue. We try to advance God's kingdom in our own power. That's not going to work. That's why we have the Spirit's power. It's to advance God's plan. It's to advance the message throughout the world. Now, the other reason sometimes, and let's be, let's be frank. This is when you say, hi, Frank. Um, <laughs> is that sometimes we don't advance God's plan because we're so much more into our own plan. Is that, you know... We know we're supposed to love our neighbor, but do we love them enough to tell them the life-giving message of Jesus? Or we have lots to do, lots of things to do, and so God's, God's plan, God's sharing the message, that can, you know, that can wait. Well, no, it can't. Because there are people who are dying who haven't been given that new message of eternal life. And we never know the day or time when it is our time. All right, so how should we respond? How should we respond to this message, to this idea about the, uh, uh, the, God gives the Spirit to advance God's kingdom and the Spirit's power? Well, first, I think the first response is we need to look at ourselves. We need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. And, um, meaning that when we, we look at, at our hearts and say, is it God's plan? Am I trying to advance God's plan or am I trying to advance my plan? 
And, and the thing is, is that as we've been doing this, le- this series on the Holy Spirit, I've been really encouraged because everyone, we're, we're all hungry, right? And, we're, and so many of you are like, yeah, I really want to experience the Spirit's presence and His power, and I do too. But sometimes when I look at my heart, I have to say, right, why am I truly looking for the Spirit's empowerment? Is it really to advance God's plan and God's kingdom, or is it more to advance my own plan and my own kingdom? We need to check our hearts. But then we also need to ask, do we want God's empowerment to do miracles or whatever so that we would seem powerful and that we would be powerful or so that God would be shown as powerful, that God would be shown as the one to be lifted up? So we have to look at our hearts because so many times we, we have mixed motives. But then we also need to look at our church and the spirit at work. So many of us, we want the spirit to be at work in our church, but that has to include the understanding it's to advance God's plan, not ours. And as we see God's heart, one of the questions we have to ask is, all right, are are the unbelievers, are, are they coming to faith in Jesus? Are there people who are spiritually dead coming to life? Because any true work of the Spirit is going to involve that. Because we see that's in the heart of God. And we've had lots of, of um, in the last couple of years, we've had lots of new people coming to our church. And we're really happy about that. But many, are, you know, just moved. Some people have moved to the area. And that's great. But for true revival to break out, a true movement of the Spirit we have to look and say, all right, are the spiritually dead receiving new life in Christ? Because if not, then, that, the, then we, we could have 12 people healed this year from sicknesses. Well, that's great. But a true movement of the Spirit, the dead, spiritually dead, come to life. That's on the heart of God. So we need to look at everything and say, all right, are we just shuffling the deck? Or is the Spirit moving in a way where the dead are coming to life? That's... That's what we need to pray for. And that's the second thing, all right? This is the other application is pray. Pray for boldness. Pray for our community. Pray that God, we would advance God's plan. That's what Peter did. I mean, this is the apostle Peter, and he prays for boldness, that God's kingdom would continue to advance. And so are we doing that? Are we praying for boldness? Are we praying for our community? And yes, we should pray that the sick become healed, that the, the, the heart broken, their, their hearts are, are bound up. We need to do all of that. But so many times when we pray, that's all we pray for. Are we praying that those in our community who are spiritually dead, those in our community who don't know Jesus would come to know Jesus? And are we praying for boldness for that? Because if we truly understand these scriptures that I just read, we would be in constant prayer. Because we know it's not just our persuasive words that are going to cause people to believe in Jesus. It's going to be the Spirit working in power. So are we praying for our community, truly praying, constantly praying that uh, God would move in our community? And are we praying for boldness that, God, I want to keep advancing your plan, even when we receive resistance, 
And the resistance we receive, it's not like Peter where he says, hey, if you keep preaching this name, we're going to put you in jail or we're going to beat you up. We, the only resistance we receive is people, yeah, they give us the cold shoulder. They say, yeah, you're kind of strange talking about Jesus all the time. So let's pray for boldness. And then let's pray that the Spirit would go before us, knowing that no matter what words I say, it's not my power that causes that person to go from death to life. It's the Spirit's power. And then, yes, let's pray for that supernatural empowerment to do whatever God invites us into. Whatever he is inviting us to participate in his plan. And yes, that's going to involve talking about Jesus, sharing our faith, but it also might involve miracles because God knows that, all right, I'm going to do miraculous work in this person's life and the, and the miracles, like that's going to drive that forward. But God, leave that up to God. But pray for that empowerment. Or it might be praying for empowerment to endure hardship, to endure ridicule. It is praying for empowerment that we would have a transformative community that builds one another up in such a way that we're different than the world. That is a miracle. And are we praying for that kind of empowerment? But if the Apostle Peter and the first apostles who walked with Jesus had to pray for boldness, had to pray for God to work in power so that they could take part in advancing his plan, I think we need to do that too. And so that's the call here. And then step into whatever the Spirit invites you into so that you can participate in God's plan. Because here's the thing is God doesn't need us. As I just said, God is the one, the Spirit is the one who does all of the work. But why does he use us? Because he wants to include us in his plan. He wants us to experience his presence and his power as he advances his plan and his kingdom so that we would receive that blessing of being a part of something so much bigger than us, so much bigger than our own plan and our own purposes, that we're a part of what God is doing eternally. He's inviting us into that. It's an amazing blessing. So let's pray. Let's pray for that, but then let's also step into whatever the Spirit leads us into. Because if you pray for boldness, God's going to give you boldness, and your part is to take that step, whatever God puts in front of you, and advance his plan. And so as we... Observe the Lord's Supper today. I want you to notice something. As we observe the Lord's Supper, and yes, you can get your little cup out right now, and especially that little, the wafer thing is so hard to get out. I, I know it's hard to get out of the package. So some of you need like 10 minutes of lead time to get your stubby little fingers to open that thing up. Um, but when we, when we observe the Lord's Supper, what are we doing? We're taking the bread and we're taking the cup in remembrance of Jesus' shed body, a bro broken body and shed blood, right? That because of Jesus' death, we can have life. That Jesus gave his life so that we could have eternal life. And so what I'm saying is I had said earlier that that mission is at the heart of God, right? That, that at, the, at the heart of God is the desire for the dead to be raised. 
At the heart of God is for the lost to be found. And when we take the bread and cup, what are we remembering? That that mission was so important to, to God, was so important to Jesus, that he gave his body, he gave his life for that mission. So when we talk about advancing God's plan and the power of the Spirit, we're talking about something that was so central to the heart of God that he gave his life for that. And so the Apostle Paul, he had brought the message all the way to the church in Corinth, right? And he's telling them about this. So in 1 Corinthians uh, 11, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For I received from the Lord that I also delivered to you, that the night... that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we take the bread and we take this in remembrance of Jesus' broken body. And then he says, in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. But now look at this verse. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we take the bread and cup, what are we doing? We're proclaiming that it's about Jesus' broken body. It's about his shed blood. And that message has saved us. And it saves the world, and we need to bring that message to the world. So we take this cup in remembrance of Jesus' shed blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take drink in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus, we have taken the bread and the cup in remembrance of your death. And Lord, we remember that you were so passionate to save the lost, to bring the spiritually dead to life, that you gave your life. So Lord, we pray that we would be about, we would have your heart. Holy Spirit, when you fill us, that we want to share that life-giving message with others. And Lord, we know it's not by our power. It's what you have done in Jesus and what's you, what you are doing in the Spirit. So, Lord, may this life-giving message not just give us life, be a miracle in our hearts as you've brought us from death to life, and we are so grateful for that, Lord. But we're so grateful, we pray, that you'd fill us with boldness and your heart to bring this message of, of Christ's love, his dying for our sins and rising from the dead, you would fill us with your power to do that. Lord, may we advance your plan, the plan you gave your life for. It's a plan, Lord, we want to live for today and the next day. Fill us with your power and your boldness to advance your plan and share your message. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen.